Open your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 1. It's good to make confession. It's good to speak about who Jesus is. I was going through some um, disciplines, uh, learning to be much more positive in my, in my confession, in my faith uh, last year, and learning to speak the word of God out loud, and learning to speak God's promises uh, to my own life out loud. And one day the Holy Spirit said, and what do you say about me? James. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, all the confessions you're making are about yourself. But who do you say I am? The key to the Christian life is who do we say Jesus is? Not who do we believe he is, not who do we think he is, who do we say he is? It's good to speak about who Jesus is. As was mentioned uh, in our notices Today, tomorrow is a very exciting day in the church because we're giving ourselves to prayer and to fasting. And if you're new among us, you've not been here before, prayer is talking to God and listening to Him. And fasting is simply going without food so that we can give the time that we would give to cooking and eating to praying. That's what fasting is. The time that we would normally give to cooking and to eating, we give to praying. And that's what we're going to do tomorrow. So we want to talk to you briefly about what we're going to be praying about. And then we're going to look in the scriptures this morning about some things that are going to help us in our prayers, not only tomorrow, but for the rest of our lives. We're going to be praying about three specific things tomorrow because we are going to be looking at the outreach initiatives that we have going on as a church in the spring. We're going to be praying together tomorrow for our mission into Adam's Down. Adam's down. And uh, we're very excited that God is leading us to see a fresh expression of All Nations Church in Adam's down. And as already been mentioned, there's a a lunch that you could have signed up to, but it's too late uh, today for those who are are getting involved. And we're very, very excited that Youth with a Mission from Hawaii is sending a team over in April. And Tim Jones will be leading a team into Adam's down from the 1st to the 7th of April. And the good news of the kingdom is going to be preached and proven in Adamstown. So we're going to be praying tomorrow for our mission into Adamstown. We're also going to be praying for some missions that we've got going on in the student community as well, because as well as the YWAM team going into Adamstown the following week, they're staying on and they're going to be coming into Cates with me and a few other people to preach the good news to university students. And some of the Covenant College students are going to be doing the same in two weeks' time from March the 11th to the 15th. So we have two really exciting opportunities to be preaching the good news of the kingdom in the student community, and people are going to come to Christ. I'm amazed that Jesus led one lady to, one lady to him in John chapter 4. He sees one lady respond to him in Samaria, and he turns to his disciples and says, the harvest is plentiful, the harvest is white. Jesus didn't wait for thousands to declare the harvest was ripe. He, when he saw one person, he knew that was the beginning of the harvest. And in recent weeks and months, we've been leading people to Jesus in the ones and twos, and we know that the harvest is plentiful. And we're also going to be praying because at the end of the march as well, some folks from here, Tim is leading a team out of people from around the country, some uh, from Cardiff and some from elsewhere, to Valencia in Spain. There's going to be a mission in Valencia in Spain. It'll be sunny, but it's too late to sign up. But we're going to be praying for that as well because we are all nations church in Cardiff. So we have a desire to see God express himself here locally and everywhere around the world. 
And we're, we're wise to always have those two focuses. God is a God who's interested in expressing himself where we are and the ends of the earth. So if we keep those two things in mind all the time, God is going to fill the whole earth with his glory and God is going to use you to reach your street. We'll always do well. So those are the two areas we're going to be praying and fasting. The three areas, forgive me, we're going to be praying and fasting for tomorrow. But God wants to speak to us this morning through his word. And we're going to look at a story of a group of people, not, not dissimilar from us actually, who found a real power when they came together to pray. And we're going to read from the beginning of the book of Acts. Acts is a book that we believe very much at the moment that God wants us to look at. And we'll be looking at different portions of it here on Sundays and also midweek. And um, we believe that there are treasures hidden for us in the book of Acts as we gather together and as we go together. So I'm going to read the beginning of the book of Acts to you. So follow me if you have a Bible. If you've got one on your phone, try and turn off all the other apps so you don't get distracted by Facebook while we're reading the Word of God. And I'm reading this morning from the New International Version of the Bible. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas, the son of of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who greeted, arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in this ministry. With the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Akeldama, that is the field of blood. 
For Peter said, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it's necessary to choose one of the men who's been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the eleven apostles. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Wonderful passage of scripture. A few weeks ago, I met a friend of mine for coffee. We're friends. We're in the, in the same neighborhood. We are sons of friends. And he's going through a particularly difficult time in his life. And he asked if we could meet together for a cup of coffee. So we went to our local coffee shop, which happens to be Starbucks. Other coffee shops are available. And um, I got there first and met him in the queue. And I said, can I get you a cup of coffee? And he looked at me and said, what are you going to order? And I said, I'm going to order a coffee. And he said, well, um, my order's a little bit more complicated than that. And he, he, he's trying to get people's attention. Do, do you know, I, I come here a lot, do you know my order? No. Do you know my order? Right. I better write it down for you, he said. What are you having, James? I said, I'm ordering a cup of coffee. They have a coffee machine there. It serves filter coffee. I'll be ordering coffee. What do you want? He said, well... This is what I like to have when I come to Starbucks. He says, I like a grande, decaf, soya mocha, one shot, one pump, no cream. (laughs) Have I joined a secret society? (laughs) So I wrote it down on my phone. I read it back to him. Grande, decaf, soya mocha, one shot, one pump, no cream. Is that right? That's right. Went to the till. Hello, I'd like a coffee, please. No problem at all. <laughs> and then I'd like a, and I gave my friend's order. And believe it or not, they were able to make it for him. They brought the drink. It really exists. Go and order one this afternoon. <laughs> he drank it, went, ah. Oh. And got me thinking. I wonder how many different ways there are that you could order a drink at a coffee shop like Starbucks. Well, Starbucks themselves gave me an answer. See, Starbucks issued a press release back in 2014 in which they claimed that there are 80,000 different ways that you can order a drink in their coffee shops. 80,000 different ways you can order a drink in Starbucks. That would be the same as going to Starbucks every day for over 200 years and ordering a different drink. They literally provide you with more options than you can fulfill in your life. And we live in a world that's just like that, don't we? A world that is full of kind of unlimited and completely unnecessary choices. We live in a world of kind of unrestricted opportunities. You can do what you like, but you haven't got time to do everything. 
You know, today you can pretty much eat what you like, when you like, you can watch what you like, when you like, you can buy what you like, provided you've got the money, whenever you like. The internet, consumerism and capitalism has allowed us to have such a breadth, such a width of options that we're sometimes we're overwhelmed with the choice. Sometimes it takes you longer to choose what movie to watch on Friday night than it does to actually watch it. Or maybe that's just my wife and I. But you know, the kingdom of God is not like that. Being a follower of Jesus isn't like that. And this passage begins not by Jesus revealing to his disciples thousands and thousands of options, but one. In fact, Jesus gives them instructions that our world would find hard to hear, but are necessary if we're going to be followers of Jesus. Jesus says, don't and not. He says, don't leave Jerusalem. In other words, I'm going to restrict your movement. And then he says to them, you don't need to know. In other words, I'm going to restrict your knowledge. And being a follower of Jesus means that there are times when God will say, don't do this, as well as do that. And there are times when God will say, you don't need to know this, because you need to know something else instead. Are we willing to trust God with the limitations he puts upon our lives? Are we willing to trust God with the answers he won't give us? I was praying about something this week, asking the Lord for help in a particular (laughs) situation. And he said, it's not for you to know. It was politer than the last time when he said to me, mind your own business. (laughs) God knows everything, but I don't. See, all of you say amen to that quickly who know me. But God doesn't restrict our options because he's mean. God doesn't limit our knowledge because he's unkind. He does it because he always has something better for us. And so he says, don't leave Jerusalem because I'm going to keep my promise and baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He says, you don't need to know about times and dates, which was a new thing for the Jewish people. They were used to God telling them about times and dates. You'll be in captivity for 70 years. You'll be in... uh, prison for 400 years. They were used to God giving them numbers, but this is a new day, and God is saying, you don't need to know times and dates, you need to know the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus says to his disciples, as he would say to us today, what matters now is not places, not projects, not plans. Right now, Jesus says to his disciples, it's time to focus your attention on the completion of God's purpose. It's time to focus your attention on the fulfillment of his promise. It's time, disciples, to focus your attention on the coming of a particular person, the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus teaches his disciples they didn't need to go everywhere. They didn't need to know everything. What they needed was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Have you come to see that in your own life? That we can do without many, many things that we think are necessary, but are really comforts. But the one thing we can't do without, the one person we cannot do without is the person of the Holy Spirit. He is the most important person at work in this world today. And so, the disciples for once, do exactly what Jesus has told them to do without arguing. (laughs) They go back to Jerusalem. 
And it says there that they joined together with other men and women who were following Jesus. And it says that they were all together constantly in prayer. Now, I find that strange because that's not what Jesus had told them to do. He hadn't said pray. He'd said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait. So why were they praying? I was thinking about that this week. I was thinking about the fact that the book of Acts is a sequel. It's the sequel to another book. It's the Godfather Part 2. It's Fast and Furious 8. It's whatever you want to call it. It's neither of those, okay? (laughs) But the book of Acts is the sequel to the Gospel of Luke. And when we read the Gospel of Luke, one of the things that we find in every significant situation Jesus finds himself in is you find him praying. I'd like you to turn to Luke chapter 11, please. In the Gospel of Luke, we find Jesus, Jesus who is the Son of God, Jesus who constantly enjoyed perfect relationship with his heavenly Father, Jesus who could, was, was the God-man walking this earth, constantly and continually took time aside to pray to his father. Jesus prayed when he was baptized in water and the Holy Spirit then came upon him. He he went up a mountain to pray and then appointed 12 apostles. He took people up mountains to pray. Jesus was constantly praying. And despite the fact that he was God in the flesh, despite the fact that he had perfect union and communion with his heavenly father, he showed his disciples that that wasn't enough. But that there was a need to draw aside and be alone with God. And if Jesus needed to do that, then my friends, I certainly need to too. And we find that Jesus was willing to go without food in order to pray. He was willing at times to go without sleep in order to pray. Oh, how I love sleep. He was willing to go without companionship at times to pray. He was willing to go without comfort to pray. And in Luke chapter 11, we read a story where it says in verse 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And so Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, may your name be honored as holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you though, he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend. Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven 
Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Jesus had taught his disciples to pray. He'd given them a model. He'd given them certain stories to help them understand their attitude. Prayer is like talking with a friend. Prayer is like talking to your father. Prayer requires persistence and patience, but if you keep on, you'll get. And Jesus left them with this wonderful promise right at the end. If you ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, he'll give you the Holy Spirit. So here we find these disciples in a room, in a house, 120 people. So there's nothing wrong with having a big house as long as you fill it with people. And they're praying to God. They're asking God for the fulfillment of his promise. And there are a few things this morning that I believe we can take away from this prayer meeting in Acts chapter 1 that will help us going forward in our prayers. So what happens when these believers pray together? What happens when they're all joined together in prayer? Well, the first thing that happens is that God reveals to them his purpose. His purpose is made clear to them as they're praying. God speaks to Peter through the scriptures about the current situation they find themselves in. And God shows Peter that he knew what was going to happen. He knew what would happen with Judas. He knew what would happen with the betrayal. He knew everything that was going to happen, that God was prepared for it, and what they needed to do next. As they prayed, God revealed his purpose. And as we call upon the Lord, as we pray to him today, tomorrow, as we gather tomorrow and pray concerning things in this city and the regions beyond, God is willing to reveal to us his purpose. We should expect that God makes our way in Adamstown, our way in the student community, our way in the nations, our way here, there, and everywhere. We should expect that as we pray, God makes his purpose all the more clear. We can expect that God will speak to us through his word. That he'll give us direction and understanding because he's a God who is willing to reveal his purpose. Here's the next thing. When they prayed, problems were resolved. You see, what God shows Peter resolves a problem that the disciples had. After all, yes, God had raised Jesus from the dead. He'd gone back to heaven. There had been a great promise of his, the coming of the Holy Spirit, but there was still one big outstanding problem these disciples had. Judas. What do we do about Judas? Everybody knows what he's done, and everybody knows what's happened to him. What do we do? But again, God shows Peter that he knew about it and that he prepared a replacement. And as we pray, we can expect that solutions will come. As we pray, we can expect that answers will arrive. As we pray, we can expect that that which has seemed impossible, that which has been difficult, will suddenly become simple. As we pray, problems can be resolved. Hurts can be healed. Bridges can be built. 
repentance and forgiveness can be made. After all, God spoke to us last year. There's nothing he can't do. He's the God of the impossible. He's faithful to his word. As we pray, problems will be resolved. Answers to questions will become certainties. Difficulties will bow the knee to the name of Jesus. Mountains will become molehills. You see, after this story, Judas is never mentioned again. He's never mentioned again in the whole of the New Testament. This is a situation that's dealt with once and for all. And as we pray, God can resolve the most difficult problems. He can remove any obstacle. He can repair any relationship. And he can provide the freshest of hope. There's nothing he can't do. There's nothing he can't do. You see, the next thing that happens when they pray is that people are released. You see, God's way of advancing his purpose, God's way of solving problems is always through people. Okay? God is not a project manager. God is not a program director. God is a a creator and a leader of people. And he reveals to Peter that the purpose going forward, the solution to the problem, is a person. We're going to replace Judas with someone else, and that person is here right now. They look around going, who's it going to be? (laughs) And I like this story because God's means of advancing his purpose And God's means of resolving a problem is not by sending someone from Judea or Samaria. It's not by transplanting someone from the ends of the earth. It's by lifting someone up who's been there all along that no one had taken notice of before. And that's what's going to happen here. That's going to happen here. It's going to happen tomorrow. That's my faith. Because as we pray, God will recognize and release people in greater prominence for his purpose. So watch out. It could be you. That dream that you've held in your heart for so long, that's never quite made sense, is suddenly going to click into place. The question as to why am I still here in this city? Why am I still in this church? Why am I still coming to this place after all this time? Can suddenly be unlocked in a moment. It's because God wants to lift you up and use you to advance his purpose. Bring resolution to problem. It's time for you to come and stand with your brothers in a way you've never stood before. There are Matthiases out there this morning. I love the fact that God chooses the guy with one name, not the guy with three names. Not only because it's easier to remember, because it teaches me that God's solution is always the simple one. So be careful what you pray for tomorrow. (laughs) But God will release people into his purposes. Are you ready? Because the fourth thing, the final thing we see for these believers is that as they pray... God is leading them all the way along for his promises to be realized. That's why we read into Acts chapter 2, because all of this led towards this goal, 
The believers prayed and God kept his promise. He prayed, sorry, they prayed and he kept his promise. He had promised to send the Spirit. They prayed, he sent the Spirit. James, that sounds awfully simple. It is that simple. Likewise, we can pray and expect to see God answer. There are prophetic words over Adamstown. There are promises over the student work. There are, there's power to be released in the nations. And if we call upon him according to his word, he will bring his promise to pass.